Virtual Assistant Podcast, episode number 18. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Virtual Assistant Podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this is the weekly podcast devoted to answering all the questions you might have as it relates to being a small to medium-sized business owner who wants to become more efficient and productive, and of course, to delegate those tasks to a virtual assistant. Welcome back, everybody, and I am delighted to tell you that, yes, indeed, the much-anticipated, the long-awaited interview with my good friend and also sponsor of the Virtual Assistant Podcast, Heather Via from Contemporary VA, is here today. Heather, welcome to the show again. Thanks, Cliff. Thank you for having me. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to have you. Uh, I'll tell you what, this is a very much anticipated episode. Of course, I've been telling people for weeks that we are going to answer a big question. And of course, Mm -hmm. that question is, what does it take to become a VA? You know, we talk a lot about, you know, hiring a virtual assistant and stuff like that. And of course, I know that many people have have come over to Contemporary VA, signed up and and got onto one of the retainer packages. I know that people email me and say, you know, hey, I've gone and looked up virtual assistants and they found some services otherwhere that's in other places that's been beneficial to them. Uh, and But I also happen to know that at least one person has looked into, if not multiple people have looked into, becoming a virtual assistant. And uh, to kick things off, Heather, what I'd like to do is play a voicemail from Dave Dufour and, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll let him set the stage. Hi, Cliff. This is Dave Dufour with the uh, Theater Geeks and Creative License Podcast. I have a question for the Virtual Assistant Podcast. What does it take to become a virtual assistant? You're talking about all the benefits and advantages and uh, you know ways to work with uh, someone in that capacity. Uh, I happen to know someone who might possibly be a good candidate to become a virtual assistant. Now, uh, my example happens to be a relative who's been laid off from her job uh, and she has uh, in marketing and she is currently looking for a job. And as you know, the job market is very, very tight. Uh, One of the problems, of course, is geography. And uh, it seems to me that uh, if you're looking for a job or if you wanted to become a virtual assistant, you know, a lot of the geographical boundaries are sort of erased if you're good at your job and uh, if you're good at being a virtual assistant. So um, what does it take? Uh, does it require a lot of you know background and experience or can someone who's been out of school a relatively short time become a virtual assistant? Uh, and uh, you know what are the what are the parameters involved? Thanks, Cliff. All right. Well, there you have a bunch of questions there. Where do you think we should begin with this topic? How do you approach it when somebody comes to you and says, Heather, I want to become a virtual assistant? Uh, it, it's different when they come to me versus if someone might say, wake up one day and say they want to be their own virtual assistant um, because the, the skill sets needed are so vast. I mean, they really are. Let, let's just get the basics out of the way. There are some virtual assistants that only specialize in specific things. There are some virtual assistants that only do bookkeeping or that only do blogging or only do writing. So, for for them, their their you know their skill sets, their needs 
would be much lower. You know what I mean? They, they wouldn't need a vast, a vast variety of skill sets if they're, they specialize in one specific thing. Um, but let me, let me talk about, uh, about what I look like or what I look for. At CVA, we do not require any significant specific skill set, but that's because we have a 90-day training program when you first come in. So what we look for are, and we have an interview and testing process that, that takes about seven days, and in those seven days, we look for the following, the ability to follow instructions, the ability to write in a professional and coherent manner, uh, the, ability, the ability to understand the various um, computer technologies, and we complete that, that knowledge testing through, through basically a, a questionnaire. It's about a 20-question 20, 20 questionnaire. We don't need them to be computer geniuses, but we need to under, them to understand what the difference between you know, a peripheral and an operating system is or you know, how to do a backup, things along those lines, because they're working independently in their house you know, or, or somewhere, you know, some work from an RV, because they're working independently, they have to be able to maintain their own computer system in, in a, you know, in a, in a satisfactory manner. Um, likewise, we look for somebody that's a self-starter, that's um, very organized, and that has the initiative to learn. Those are the only things we look for. And if we can find someone with all of those characteristics, we actually take on the training on our end. Excellent. So it, it sounds to me like as far as education, I didn't hear you mention like college degrees or anything like that. We have we have VAs with an MBA. We have VAs with a GED. Um, I mean, there, we have VAs anywhere in between. In this day and age, there are, I mean, there are so many ways to teach yourself. So, I mean, okay, great. We can all sit in the classroom. But Cliff, I have two master's degrees. I've learned more in seven years in business than I ever did in school. Right. So, so what's important to us is that the person has the ability and the initiative to learn, because as long as they have the ability and initiative, if you sit down with me and you're a self-starter and you're organized and you have initiative and you have the ability, I can teach you WordPress, one shopping cart, blogging, and Twitter in less than eight hours. I mean, it's, the stuff is not brain surgery. So what, what we require is those internal skills, that, that initiative, that professional communication that, that just being professional, those are the things that we require because all of the technical skills or all of the software skills, those things can be taught. Right. And one of the things I think, of course, uh, that impressed me most when, when I was approached by Andrea is, is the personal, the, the people skills, the, the mm -hmm. her ability to communicate. I, I know you talked about that through, you know, through testing the, her ability to do uh, coherent writing and stuff like that. But I'll tell you, just, just the way that she communicated with me, the, the, I, I, the relational aspect of it, I, that, that's what won me over. It was amazing. I had made the decision to hire Andrea before I even knew whether or not she could post anything on WordPress. <laughs> I, it was weird. It, 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 I literally hired her just based upon some phone conversations that I had from, with her. And, and I said to myself, the, fact, the way that she tracked me down, the way that she, uh, she researched my business and communicated with knowledge of who I am and what I'm doing and what my goals are for my business, she, she was able to, to research all that. She communicated with me in such a way that clearly helped me understand that she, she, cares, she at least cares enough to say, I want to work for you. And, mm -hmm. and the, the, the way she did that, it's like, I, I want her to do that 
on my behalf. And and that's the perfect example. All of everything that you just stated was not some high technical skill, but it required initiative. It required perseverance. It required basic research skills. It required professional communication. It required being personable. You know, if she would have written you a letter in all lowercase letters without any periods, would you have responded to her? Probably not. No. Um, You know, but the fact that that she could communicate with you in a professional and personable manner and Go take, again, take the initiative to listen to your podcast, to find out more information about you, to to know who she was speaking to before she spoke to. That's what we look for in the VA. We, we actually call it in CVA, we call it the difference between an order taker and a, a you know, a, a go-getter. You know, someone... That can takes or that can take orders is great, and and we appreciate somebody that is able to follow instructions. But we want that go getter, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and and this is this is the difference here as well. Is the reason she found me as I put out a little message on Twitter, <clears throat> excuse me, back in the end of December, and I had basically written 140 characters or less. But but the main gist of what I said was things are so crazy here. I think I'm finally going to have to look into hiring a VA. So I put that on Twitter, and obviously Andrea has monitors well, keywords. <laughs> she she monitors keywords. Well, guess what? She's not the only person. In fact, I had about seven different virtual assistants who sent me direct messages or at replies, mm-hmm. but and nobody took the initiative of actually sending me an email after at least about thirty to forty five minutes of researching everything there is to know about me on my website. And unfortunately, that's the problem just in society in general. But that's the problem with this industry on many occasions is what you saw was that Andrea was not looking for a quick fix. You know what I mean? She was not looking for that sale. She was looking to find out more about you, find out if we could help you and be well versed in 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 you and your business before she spoke to you. So other VAs and not all of them, but I'm saying the other VAs what they want, you say, I need a VA. They say, okay, I'm watching keywords. Here I am. They don't follow through. They don't take initiative. They don't research. And again, that's just basic skills. Those are the basic things that every VA needs to have. Because to be honest, there are going to be clients like you that are willing to train their VA. Now, Cliff, you're an exception. You know, you're not the rule. Some clients do not want to train, and we understand that. But there are going to always be people that are willing to train. And let's be honest, with things like lynda.com and you know, and YouTube and all these tutorials, anyone can learn almost anything on the web. So, but if you don't take the initiative to seek out those things and to find them, then, then you can't learn them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let, let's turn to somebody else who has some more specific questions. And then I, I know that the questions that our audience has have been, uh, have been taken care of and addressed. And I'm sure you have some additional things, as do I. But uh, Russ called in. He's got three questions. You don't have to worry about catching them all. I've got notes here. But here's how Russ uh, uh, approached us with his questions. And Hi, Cliff. This is Russ from Cleveland, Ohio, calling for the Virtual Assistant Podcast. I am not a business owner, but rather someone who was considering becoming a virtual assistant as a career change. However, I have several questions in mind before deciding to try to make this change happen, which I am hoping you can help me with. First, I am looking to make a total career change, not simply take a job to make ends meet. Therefore, I am looking for full-time work and to fully replace my existing income. Can you give me an idea of how much a VA can expect to earn here in the States, and if I can quickly go full-time 
or if I need to find my own clients or something, uh, during which time I will probably not have any, any income. Second, I know there are many tasks a VA can be trained to do, but can you give me an idea of what kinds of qualifications a VA would need to have to start off, such as education, other forms of training, etc.? This would be helpful for structuring my resume and to make sure I am qualified before venturing out on this journey. Finally, what can you tell me about VAs and insurance? Currently, I have a full-time job which provides group health insurance for me and my family, at a cost, of course. Do VAs need to buy their own insurance, like contractors and temps, or are there options available through the agency? In addition, is there any other type of insurance a VA would need, such as liability? Answers to these questions and any other insights you could provide about becoming a virtual assistant would be a big help to me. Thanks, Cliff, and may God bless you, your family, and your business. All right, Russ, thank you so much. And by the way, we've already answered, I think, his second question, which is as far as, you know, uh, they can be trained and if we've talked about the qualifications. But uh, here, here's a question: What what can a virtual assistant expect to earn uh, when they when they go into this industry? It, it, unfortunately, it it varies from five dollars an hour to a hundred dollars an hour, um, and it it depends a lot on the skill set. It also depends on the reputation, um, and it depends on the backup or the reinforcement that you have behind you. Let me let me give you some examples. Somebody that's coming into the industry that's never been heard of before that does not have, um, you know, any references that does not have any testimonials um, that doesn't have experience um, is going to earn less. And now they might be able to earn more, but they're going to hold out. They're going it's, to it's not going to come that that quick. Uh, as your experience grows and your reputation grows and people get to know you as one of the, you know, the lead VAs in the industry, and believe it or not, there are lead VAs in the industry, uh, your, your rate obviously increases. Um, the, the issue with, with being a virtual assistant, and um, you, know, you can always ask Andrea for this, the issue with being a virtual assistant on your own is you have to find the clients. You have to find the work. Um, now granted, once you've built a reputation and you're well-known, you may have a website and, and clients may find you, but when you're on your own, you have to submit RFPs or fi- look on Elance or look wait, on wait, Guru. Wait, 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 you just used some fancy word there. RFP, what's that? Request for proposal. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you have to use all of these, these, these sites, these kind of match sites to match you with prospective clients. Well, that takes time. So, um, you know, in my experience with the VAs that come on board with us that had originally tried to be VAs um, by themselves or, or sole VAs, they said that they spent just as much time finding clients as they did working in actual billable work. So if you look at that, if you're spending 40 hours a week and let's say you're, you know, you're billing 20 and you're marketing or selling yourself 20 and you charge $20 an hour, you're really only making $10 an hour. So uh, the, the problem is going after the work. Now, of course, once you've reached, once you've reached that echelon, once you've reached that point where everybody knows you and you have traffic to your website and, and there's a whole bunch of buzz about you, yes, it's, it's very easy to find clients and it's very easy to succeed. But that point takes a while to get there. So 
in general speaking, unless you have a highly specialized skill, and it doesn't, when I say highly specialized, I just mean something you're really, really, really great at that's in demand. It doesn't have to be like you can program Ruby on Rails blindfolded. Um, you know, you can be a bookkeeper. You can be an Excel master. You can be a telemarketer. You can be, you know, you can know more about e-signs than anyone else. You know, the e-sign queen, Allie Brown, I believe at one point in time used to kind of be a virtual assistant. So <clears throat> unless you have one of those specialties, you can expect to be able to be competitive and actually get people right away to earn anywhere between 10 to $20 an hour. Now, if you have uh, a specialty such as bookkeeping or one of these things that are more in demand, you can probably earn between 20 to $40 an hour. Um, the lower, the more competitive you are. Once again, once you've built your reputation, you have your clients and you have your testimonials and you have your traffic, you can, you can demand on the upscale between 30 to $60 an hour. Now, here's the one thing about virtual assistants, and especially in this industry, and this is coming from somebody who's not in the midst of your industry, but mm -hmm. somebody from the completely, just completely from the outside, you know, your prospective clients. And that is that most of the buzz around VAs or virtual assistants seems to be coming from sources like books like uh, The 4-Hour Workweek and stuff like that. And of course, the very first thing that we're approached with, with this idea, this all the, we get all the benefits of hiring a cheap virtual... Cheap labor. It's cheap labor. You can hire somebody for four bucks an hour and boy, they'll do things like, I mean, they'll do everything. Mm -hmm. so, and, and, and that's that's the problem with the industry. Um, now, if you talk to a veteran, uh, a veteran entrepreneur that's been using VAs for years... They will probably tell you that they either mix offshore with inshore or they have one head inshore person that's quite more expensive than the offshore people. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with the offshore people whatsoever. Everybody, you know, every VA has their use. The issue is, is that there are barriers that do not exist with, with domestic VAs. And that is while their language might be okay, it's not, it's not equal to mine. It's not equal to yours, Cliff. Right. Um, the, the culture... You know, unfortunately, offshore VAs have a, have a different culture. They have different um, responsibilities. They have different holidays. And, and we operate in a different manner. I mean, we, we operate in a very high-paced society, a very high-paced environment. And, you know, other countries don't do that. Likewise, sometimes it puts people off. We've had a lot of clients have come to us and hired us because they had offshore VAs, but their clients were bothered talking to an offshore person. Right. And, you know, and again, that's again, it's nothing against them. It's just some people are very domestic oriented. They do not want to see jobs go overseas. So if if I called one of your clients and to confirm an appointment, Cliff, and somebody from, let's say, Singapore called one of your clients to confirm an appointment, if that client had a different perceived notion, you know, or a different a different opinion on how things should be done, they might get a little standoffish. So almost all people that, are, again, are veterans that have used VAs, while they might use offshore VAs, they at least have one domestic in their, in their pocket. Yeah, and, and, and I found that to be true uh, as well. And in fact, you know, it's one of the things that I've actually considered. I, I, I love Andrea, and I plan on continuing that as, a, as an ongoing um, relationship in, in, our, in my business. I hope that mm -hmm. she never decides not to be a VA because I really love what she does for me. But there are certainly some things that I could think of that would be repetitive tasks that, that anybody can do that it really doesn't have to have that, you know, face to face or that, you know, real time conversation with my clients that these people are 
programming, you know, code in the background for me and, and, and that I can work and train. And that's something I can see hiring out. But you're absolutely right. When it comes to doing administrative tasks and especially when it relates to sending an email to a client, you know, I, I read the four hour work week and I've shared this before, but I was not impressed with my opinion of the virtual assistant industry when I got that book. In fact, it, it, I had heard I'd heard a little bit about the VA industry and I was almost like, wow, that sounds interesting. And then I read that book and it, and it completely made me decide that's something I want nothing to do with. When that when the first version came out, it was just horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. We would get calls. People were like, well, Tim Ferriss said I could get you for two dollars an hour. I mean, it was it was very, very um it was it was a it was a big struggle and and it's you know with the new release of the book the version 2 the ext- extended edition um it didn't affect us as much the the problem is is that new people coming to in, into the to to using a VA expect a, a lower rate so it's it's very hard to acquire them if you don't have a competitive rate yeah however long timers and existing people in that have used virtual assistants you know, they, they don't. So eventually those newbies will, uh, those new entrepreneurs are either going to, what I found is a small percentage of them get burned um, and then they decide never to use a VA again, but they got burned because they went with a $2 VA that didn't produce how they wanted to, or they learn from their mistakes and they proceed to at least incorporate one higher level or domestic VA in the mix of, of their assistance. We have some clients that, that have six or seven VAs, you know, and we're only one of them. You know, they have, they have people spread out, you know, they use our, our company and another company and another person. And, and those are high level entrepreneurs that, that really understand the concept of delegation, understand the concept of processes and, and, and proceeding things through. And they do use offshore VA, VAs for more remedial tasks. But anytime that it comes to, you know, to business breaking maneuvers or, or communication or, or responsibilities, they, they typically use a domestic VA. Well, let's go to Russ's final question here. And that is, OK, so let's just say he or somebody he knows decides I want to become a virtual assistant. What about can, benefits? Can, can I tap on number two real quick? Yeah, go right for ahead. His question. Yes. I know we talked about the skills, but I talked about it in relation to CVA. If Russell or anyone else is going to go out on their own, um, they're going to need to to have a certain um, skill set, but it, they don't have to know everything. But if they want to be, you know, uh, if they want to be specialized, know something very, very well. Otherwise, the basic technologies that are that are used by almost every VA in, in today's environment is WordPress, um, one shopping cart setup and configuration, you know, how to put your products in and upload the documents and configure, you know, shopping cart buttons um, and autoresponder systems such as a Weber or the one shopping cart autoresponder system or something. So if, if you have those three technologies and you're very competent in them, that will get your foot at least in the door. But it's very rare to, to work with a client in a VA capacity and not use at least one of those technologies. Very good. All right. So, so what about insurance benefits? Um, you know, are these people are they're contractors, independent contractors? Do they, are they employees of CVA? How does how does something like that work? Um, we we do have some employees, um, and uh, we, those employees do receive a, a variety of benefits. However, the majority of our 
staff are contractors. Um, and, and speaking about health insurance directly, it is very hard to get a corporate plan when you have VAs located all over the world or all over the U.S. Um, most corporate plans only really give you a discount if you have several staff members located in one area. In other words, uh, we looked into Blue Cross Blue Shield, but there are different sectors. So, for example, for Blue Cross Blue Shield Southeast, anyone that was out of the Southeast region, region couldn't participate in that plan. So we wouldn't get, you know, even though we have a staff of 35, we literally have one in almost every state. It's not that we have two or three in multiple states. Right. So at this time, because we're a Florida corporation, um, we only offer um, full employee benefits, uh, it, you know, if you're residing in Florida. And we don't offer that right away. You know, you have to work with us as an independent contractor for, for an extended period of time. But if you've been with us for over a year and you've maintained a certain level of output and a certain level of hours, we will offer you as an employee status or a salary status along with benefits and various things. But unfortunately just to, to make things easy on us and not complicated and fair across the board. Um, we only do it if you're a resident of Florida and you reside in the state of Florida, because then we can put you under our, you know, our corporate plans. Gotcha. But there are health insurance programs out there for, for self-employed individuals. Um, a lot of these virtual assistant associations, there's different ones. There's the IVAA, there's um, Gritty VA's, program. I don't know what that's called. It's basically virtual assistants that have decided to start a membership program and create their kind of own consortium or association of VAs. They, they a lot of times work together with one or two insurance firms so that if you use a referral ID or you use, you know, you mentioned somebody's name, you, you get a 10 or a 15% discount or what have you. But in this day and age, there are so many insurance companies out there that, that do have decent pricing for self-employed individuals. What about liability insurance, business liability? Is that something that VA needs to worry about? Uh, it depends on what state you live in. Um, but in general, we have a liability policy. And when you come on and are hired with us, you have to sign an affidavit and it has to be notarized. I mean, copy of identification, all that type of stuff, because we do submit it to our, our liability insurance company. Um, and if anything were to happen by any, you know, for example, let's say Andrea screwed up something with you, Cliff, and, and we had to put a claim and she would be covered under our insurance policy. Right. Um, <clears throat> however, some states require that if you work at home, you have your own liability insurance policy. Um, I know West Virginia is one of those states because I've ran into that directly before. I don't know the stipulations of all the other states, but some states require that if you are going to work from home, that you have your own liability insurance policy. Very good. And of course, what I'm going to suggest that anybody here uh, does, if you're working from home or you have your own business, you certainly need to get some professional advice from an independent insurance agent who can get, give you some good advice in that area, as well as possibly even a, you know, an attorney that can help you when forming or setting up your business. That That's the best advice I can give you there. Exactly. Alrighty. Well, those answer the questions that came in from both uh, Dave and from uh, Russ. So I have some other questions here. And that is, what type of equipment do you think or, or, or what kind of um, technology do you think is necessary for a virtual assistant? I mean, we're, obviously, they need a computer and high speed internet. But oh, we have we go everywhere. I mean, we're on all scales. We have some people that work off of a little teeny tiny netbook. And then we have some people that have four 27-inch monitors. I mean, <laughs> it goes all over the place. How does somebody um, work off of a netbook and, and 
We used to have a VA that rode around in an RV. Okay. Not playing. And she had a netbook and she did an excellent job. An excellent, excellent job. Interesting. <laughs> the only reason she left us is she relocated um, her, her husband's military and she relocated overseas to be with him. Um, and the time zones were a little bit of challenging for us. But yeah, she used to drive around in an RV and was excellent. <laughs> um, okay, so the technology that you need, you need um, a computer, obviously, a decent computer, somewhat fast computer. Um, it doesn't have to be huge top of the line, but nowadays you can easily get, you know, any dual core four gigabytes of RAM for, for less than six or $700. Um, you probably need a printer. While it's not always necessary, I always say a lot of times I just print out emails, I print out notes, and it's, sometimes it's good to work from paper, but it's not completely necessary. You d need a backup system in some way, shape, or form. We have um, VAs that have an external USB drive that they back up their documents there. We have some VAs with the Drobo. Um, which is uh, this whole raid, I don't know, Cliff, I'm sure you know more about it than oh, I do. Yeah. It's, a, it's a whole raid backup system. We have people that use stuff like Jungle Disk or Mosby, you know, uh, or Carbonite, an online backup system, but you definitely need some type of, of backup system. Um, we encourage VAs to have a business phone line. Um, we know everybody has cell phones. We know everybody has house phones, but it's really helpful when you work from home to be able to separate business from home Mm -hmm. So it would be really nice to be able to turn off the ringer and then, you know, not know that your grandmother can't call you, you know, right. so we encourage everyone to have a business phone line, you know, Vonage, you can get $25 a month and you get the whole, you know, the whole shebang, the whole setup, and you can easily walk away from it or what have you. If you don't use Vonage or another voice over IP system and you just use a landline, we encourage you to also have Skype, um, you know, just for ease. Sometimes it's just easier to make a call, you know, via voice over IP or what have you. Mm -hmm. And we ask for a headset at all times. We do a lot of training with GoToMeeting um, and GoToWebinar and things like that. So, and we encourage our people to be able to talk. So a headset. Um, other than that, there's no real hard equipment. Uh, you know, most of our VAs have filing systems. Most have, like Andrea's saying in the chat room, most have a good multi-function uh, printer where it's a printer, copier, scanner, fax, things along those line, lines. Um, and uh, software is the big thing. Software is, is the, the huge part of it. Um, unfortunately, a lot of new VAs that come in the industry don't have the money to purchase software uh, you know, that they need. And, and we understand that. But it's amazing. Just let's take Adobe Acrobat, for example. It's, it's not a cheap piece of software, Cliff. But it's amazing how much more the VAs with Adobe Acrobat can do than the VAs without Adobe Acrobat. So... <laughs> it's it's those type of things. If you have good, um, you know, a, a good office suite, uh, you know, you can even use a lot of RVs just use Google Docs. But if you have a good office suite, you have a good PDF program. Um, a, uh, I'm trying to think. Of, we we a lot of people use screenshot programs and like graphic programs. As long as you have the good software, you're fine. You're good to go. Awesome. All right. So let's see here. Is there a benefit? Uh, obviously, we talked about the benefit of the devoted, uh, the dedicated line. I want to suggest also for those that are, that are out there, Google Voice is a great service that allows you to use your existing line as well, but you can for you give them an additional phone number, which can then be forwarded to your phone or turned off or turned <laughs> off. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can go in and you can say, "Hey, uh, you know, shut this off. Stop sending calls to me," and it'll go straight to voicemail, and it, it's really a great service. 
again, and it, you know, it's not. We, you know, for example, Andrea and I, we both leave our business line open. Andrea will answer if I call her at nine o'clock. I'll answer if she calls me at nine o'clock. But there are some people that have children to where and in their office might be in their living room or in a communal in a area where they have to shut it off. And unfortunately, a lot of clients don't understand that VAs stop working at some point in time. They kind of, because they're virtual, they kind of think it's my 24-7 assistant. So it's it's very important and something that we we strongly encourage in CVA, you need to have personal time. Right. You need to at some point in time, turn off. Well, I do want to say this, though. When I first signed up for the contract, I remember getting the contract. And, and I've shared this with you personally before uh, offline. And, and I'll bring it up here again. That when I read the contract, I was a little bit intimidated by by the fact that it says, you know, please understand, you know, your RCVAs work normal business hours and and stuff like that. And so I'd always refuse to to really, you know, try, expect Andrea to ever do anything beyond five o'clock. And of course, I would wait until the morning and stuff like that, almost as though she was working the same business hours that I would work. And uh, over time, I realized that, you know, Andrea would say, you know, hey, if you get that up, I'll, I'll do it tonight. That's not a big deal. And I'm exactly. like, I'm like, it's, wait a second. I, I was told that you don't do this outside of business hours. It's not a requirement. It's a protection. Right. Um, you know, I personally love my job. Andrea loves her job. Jessica loves her job. Everybody loves their job. We love helping. We get tickled when Cliff says, add a girl. You know what I mean? When, when, when Cliff's happy, that makes us happy. So we get satisfaction and accomplishment from our work. But sometimes it can get overwhelming. And so we put this protection in. So that if you're having a rough day, you can turn it off at five. Yeah. Don't feel that you need to stay on. We, we had one VA once that was working 11 hours a day nonstop. And, and it's because she wanted the hours. She kept adding the hours, adding the hours. She kept asking. For, and finally, I said, no more. I could see it. I could see it in how I talked to her and how she communicated. She was at, at, at her wit's end. And we actually made her take a three-day break. We disconnected her email so it wouldn't go to her. We forwarded it to her to her project manager, everything, because she was on nervous breakdown time. There are some people that can't do that. And unfortunately, there are some people that take advantage of that. Yes. So that, that's in there as that protection. You will find that most of our VAs either work early mornings or late evenings in conjunction with the day because sometimes they have to leave in the middle of the day, doctor's appointment, pick up kids, what have you. But the big important is that that situation is there if they need to shut down if they need to have a family dinner if they need to take a nap they can do that yeah and and i love that matter of fact one of the things i saw this morning uh i think andrea had called and said you know hey I'm, you know there's a doctor's visit or something like that and and, and stuff like that. <laughs> the funny thing is i didn't get it until after i woke up i slept in i'm like i didn't even i didn't even notice but I, I do love the fact that Andrea is able to, you know, in the middle of the afternoon at two o'clock or two thirty or three, she's like, you know, hey, I'm going to be gone for the next hour. Just so you know, uh, I'm, you know, I've got to go pick up the kids from school or something like that. And and I do love the fact that she's very flexible and she says, hey, if you need me this evening, I can come down or I can come and help you with this. That It's not a problem. I'm, I was going to work a couple hours tonight and. And, and it is so flexible. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, as a VA, you have to determine what's right for you and make sure, especially if you're working for CVA, that you you have those uh, conversations with what the expectations are, because the contract made me feel like, though, that I was only getting 
help from certain hours and by golly you know don't don't expect anything on <laughs> it's saturday a protection. imagine if andrea had a had a dinner engagement and she needed to be there at eight we didn't we wouldn't want you to hold us to our contract well andrea has to work at eight yep. this way we say no she doesn't have to it's it's again it's it's that protection issue and i'm going to be honest with you cliff andrea won't work at eight for every client no she'll work at eight for the clients that she appreciates that appreciate her and that don't take advantage of it you know part of her reason that 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 she treats you like this is you guys have this mutual respect. And again, not to get on any clients out there, but if you're going to hire a VA, keep in mind that there is a mutual respect there. Respect them just as you want them to respect you. Mm-hmm. And they'll bend over backwards for you. Yeah. They will. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. All right. So let me ask you that you're talking about CVA. Do you have any experience with virtual assistants, people who have tried to work on their own? Any any tips or advice to somebody who maybe wanted to to make it a go on their own? Um, I mean, the you, most, you don't the, have the to have something. The most important thing I can say is don't try and be a virtual assistant if you can't be there every single day. Um, that's that's the most important thing. And unfortunately, that's why I see virtual assistants fail. They fail that way with us. They fail that way with when I hired them. Remember, the virtual assistant firm was construed out of my lack of ability to find good VAs that I could depend on at a reasonable cost. So don't try and be a virtual assistant if you can't be there every day. I know it sounds I, I know it sounds horrible, but you as a VA are partnering with someone. You are an extension of their business. They begin to depend on you. And they don't need to wake up one morning and hear that you're sick and then hear that you're sick the next morning and then hear that there's an emergency with the kid at school the next morning. I understand crises come up, but I found that a lot of people that work from home are not able to manage their time and treat it as a job. In other words, they say, oh, I want to sleep in one morning. I'm not going to get up. That's fine. One morning in a blue moon. That's not something that you can do every single day. So it's very hard, I found, for some people to get up, to go into their office, to put on their clothes. I mean, I work in pajamas sometimes, but the truth is every single morning at 6 a.m., I am in my office and I am checking my email. Even if I'm going to be sick or have another appointment in the day, I do work every single day. And if I'm going to make a, take a vacation, I make backup measures or, or what have you. So the important thing is, is to make sure that you are a responsible and organized individual with time management skills, because it is not fair to the clients that hire you if you feel that this is not a partnership, if you feel that this is just some gig that you're getting paid a couple extra bucks an hour or a couple bucks an hour to do when you feel like it. It's not that way, because if you want to succeed, these people depend on you, and it's only going to succeed if, they, if you earn their trust. And by continually, you know, having problems that always make, you know, require you to be away and not work and not produce and missing deadlines. Those are what, you know, what, what destroys a a relationship with the client and a VA. Let me ask one final question that I have on my mind, and then I'll let you share anything else that you think that should be covered here for anybody that's considering becoming a VA. But uh, the one thing that I, I don't understand this whole idea of billable by the minute, um, you know, I, I hire a re, on a retainer of, actually, I'm at 30 hours a month now. And I know that Andrea charges, you know, or that you guys charge me by the minute. So if I have a project and it only takes 45 minutes, you know, they don't round that up to the hour. If, if it, she works on it for 45 minutes and then I have another project, you know, the next day that's only, 
you know, 13 minutes, I still have two minutes left of that hour. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do you, how do you as a VA track that information? Well, first off, it's a difficult job for the VAs and I, I feel for them because sometimes it's, it's frustrating. I don't think people understand that to get an eight hour billable day, you're working 10 hours, but it's true. And now a lot of VA firms bill in six minute increments or 15 in increments or an hour. Um, we don't. And um, it's just because we, we just want to bill you for the time we use. No more than that. You know, hopefully one day, Cliff, you'll have a, a full time VA or multiple VAs working 160 hours. You know, it's you get much more, believe it or not, those four and five minutes come up. But the way we keep track of it is we have a, a custom built program. It's, it's web based. But when the VAs log in, it's kind of um, kind of their whole control panel. It's their intranet, so to speak. It has access to all of our files and training videos and wiki and time off calendar if you want to request time off. And it has access to their plans and everything. But there's a, a there's two ways that you can log time. You can either locate your client in your control planner and click clock in. And then when you're done, you can click clock out or you can pop up a timer widget that we have. And again, it's web-based. It pops up in, you know, in a, in a little smaller browser. And um, it's a, it's a drop-down box. So every client that they do work for is listed in the client box and they, they pick the client name and then every task that the client might have, and I don't know how many tasks you have, Cliff, but some clients might want to segment their tasks between social media, blogging, bookkeeping, you know what I mean? D- different tasks so they know where their time's going. So uh, then you pick the tasks that you want to log the time to and you click start the timer. And then there's a note box that you make notes. We require all of our VAs to leave notes because, of course, you know we have a control panel that you can log in and you can see all the work that they've done in the time log. So we, we require them to make notes. It doesn't have to be robust, but Andrea can put... Uh, call with Stephanie or working with Cliff on, on posting blogs, something like that. And then when they're done with their time, they click submit. So with that widget, it's very easy because they don't have to locate a client clock in, locate another client clock out. They just working for Cliff, got the timer running. Oops, the phone's ringing. I see that's my other client, Aaron. Click submit, pick up, drop down Aaron's box, pick up the phone, start talking, click submit again. So they don't even need to open another page with those drop down box and that timer widget. Everything, you know, it's cohesive. Very cool. Anything else that you think that you would like to share as far as uh, things that somebody might want to consider if they're thinking about becoming a VA? Um, the, I don't want to deter anyone because it's a great field. It's a great industry. But test it out first on a site like Elance or Guru where you're only doing projects. You know what I mean? Where you, you have a finite project that you have to do that is start and finish. Um, and see if it's something for you. Because again, I can't stress enough that when you get a client, you are a partner with the client. You have a responsibility to them. Their business in a way depends on you and you can't play with their emotions. You can't be their assistant for two weeks and then leave them hanging. That's, it's, it's just not fair. It's just not morally and ethically fair. So make sure that you, you, you test it out and make sure it's something you want to do when you dive in, do not dive in for a three-month stint or a six-month stint. Test it out. I see someone says they don't like either of those sites. There are plenty of sites out there, but, but try and find to make sure this is for you. And the only way that that can be done is by doing work first, but you don't want to commit to a long-term agreement or a long-term arrangement of somebody that wants an ongoing assistant 
you know, and then leave them if that's, and we've had a lot of VAs that come in. That's one of the reasons we require a 90 day training program in 90 days. Our VAs can determine whether this is what they want to do because we get a lot of new people. And again, that's a cost that we incur and that's something that we do. But Cliff, it's very frustrating to have a VA come on a spend a month training them and say, no, I'm not cut out for this job. This isn't, this isn't something I want to do. It's a lot of time. So imagine Cliff, if Andrea, you had started training, you had trained her in backpack or, or high rise and all this stuff. And then she was like, nope, Cliff, I'm, I'm not going to do this job anymore. Right. It's, it's very frustrating to the entrepreneur. And it's, and again, not only does it hurt them, it ruins the industry. Because if you do that to someone, they might not want to go to another virtual assistant because they might have that fear. So I, I always tell people when you come on, try and test out some projects. Make sure it's something you want to do before you start mixing your lives with the lives of, of entrepreneurs and clients. Well, Heather, thank you very much for coming on to the Virtual Assistant Podcast. It's, it's an honor to have uh, CVA, Contemporary VA, as a sponsor. And if people want to find out about how to hire a virtual assistant or even if they wanted to contact you about the potential of becoming one, how would they do that? Um, they go to our website and in the very top part, I don't know the phrase, but it's right up there in the header. Um, it says... I think VA opportunities or VA hiring, it says careers. And so they would click the careers button or the link and there's an application that they click out that they start and then the process continues from there. Um, I did see one question you have in the chat room. Do you want me to answer it, Cliff? Yeah, yeah what's the question real quick? It says, what about part-time people, people looking to work evenings and weekends? Um, again, the average entrepreneur works during the day at some point in time. We, we personally don't hire VAs that only work evenings, evening and weekends. We do hire part-time people, but you have to at minimum give us three hours a day between the hours of 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's a requirement. But if you're looking to work evening and weekends, just be honest with the clients. There are a lot of people out there that have work that can be done in evenings and weekends. Um, and again, there's always project-based work that you can do. But I know, I know based on my experience, there are a lot of clients out there that at five o'clock, they want, they'll send something off to their VA and they'd love to have it back by 6 a.m. You know what I mean? So as long as you're honest, you'll find an arrangement for you. Excellent. Well, everybody, there you go. That is the uh, answers to your questions. If you have more questions, you can always give us a call here at 859-795-4067. Again, the phone number to call in with your questions on our voicemail feedback hotline, 859-795-4067. You call in the question, I'll get you the answer. God bless you all. Until next time, I encourage you to join the community.